0: We focus in on that rather than focusing in on these other things apart from agape. You need to have agape to have all these other things. Okay, so I just wanted to set the stage there with, for that for this uh, passage here for this uh, for these verses here eight through thirteen. We we'll go back to uh, verse eight here. Love never ends. The word ends here can also be translated as fails. So many of your many of your translations might read love never fails. Okay, and that would be correct. The word actually is referring to falling, or falling down, or even dying. That's what this word means, ends or fails, dying. And we see that love never fails. Love never ends. That's how Paul starts here. And we see, as he moves on, he says, Now prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. And knowledge, it will pass away. These were the, um, the spiritual gifts that the Corinthians had viewed as the most spiritual, the most heavenly. The, the, um, uh, they had the belief that their, the, the, their gifts meant that they were already partakers of the ultimate state of spiritual existence. That's what they had thought here when they were thinking of these spiritual gifts. And what Paul is saying here is, you've got it wrong. Those are going to go away. Love remains. They are going to go away. And he, and he goes on in verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. What he's saying there is, it's not, it's not necessarily that these are um, incomplete. I mean, they, they are, but it's not like um, they're not fully realized yet. We still need knowledge at this point. We need prophesying at this point. But it's not something that is uh, completely fulfilled; it hasn't reached its end completion. But then, when he goes to verse ten, he says, "But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away." This word "perfect" here literally means to bring to completion, which is why some translations read, uh, "When completion comes," brings means to bring to completion. I just love that idea of perfection because what's what Paul's referring to here is. Not something that's going to happen now, presently. Perfection is not going to happen presently. We're not going to reach some utopia or idea of perfection at this point. It's coming. It's future. It's future. The terms here that Paul is using, the tense here, is all pointing to the future. So When the perfect clump comes, meaning to bring to completion, everything will reach its fulfillment. And at that point, those spiritual gifts Will no longer be needed, but love never ends. We're going to see that as we get as we move on. We're going to get into verse thirteen at, uh, towards uh, the end here. But I just find that so wonderful that when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. He's referring to here. I, I said the end, but he's also but what he's really referring to here is Jesus returning. That's the end, the end, which will then usher in the beginning, really, all of eternity. And so that's what he's referring to here. When Jesus comes, when perfection is realized through him in completion, those things will pass away. So the focus should not be on those spiritual gifts. The focus should be on love, because from love, then you can share of and experience those spiritual gifts the way they were intended. Paul continues here in verse 11 through 12, uh, giving some analogies for us to understand what he's, what he's getting at here. He's kind of trying to hit the point home a couple of times. And then finally in verse 13, we'll see uh, the, the main point here. So in verses 11 to 12, we see that we need to consider the big picture. We need to think about everything as a whole, because that's the, that's the mindset that he's thinking of here, is the end, the completion. Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Have you ever uh, watched a rerun of a movie that you watched as a kid growing up? Um, For me, uh, those are some Disney movies (laughs) that I grew up with as a kid, um, or some VeggieTales TV shows. If some of you grew up with those. You will know what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm rewatching those with Kalia, my daughter. We watch uh, some those every once in a while. And there are times when I'm sitting watching those movies or those TV shows. You you watch it and you go, "Oh, that that's what they just said there." I didn't I didn't know that. That's what was really what they meant. You pick up on things that you didn't think about when you were a kid. Things are you realize things like, "Whoa, that." I get what they're saying now, or I did not understand that at that point. That's that's interesting. (laughs) So what Paul that's that's the kind of the idea that Paul is referring to here is as a child, we reason and think about things in a way that's good and, and a good way for a child to reason and think about things. It's 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 meant the way you think as a child is the way you're supposed to think as a child. That's the intention. And the idea here is that the spiritual gifts that the Corinthians were enjoying and experiencing, that is for today. Those are for the present time, but they are not going to last. Because as we grow up and eternity comes, they will no longer be needed. You will understand in fullness and completion. You will will see things fully as they were intended. But love remains, as we're going to see here. The Spirit's giftings are appropriate for today, church building age, just as the behavior of a child is appropriate for the child. I like one of, one of the other ways that, that uh, Sinclair Ferguson gives us an analogy here um, with the child is, think about at Christmas time, this is easy for us to think about because we're doing this now, we're, we're preparing gifts and things like that. As a child, what is the thing that they're most interested in with the gifts when they're unwrapping? It's the paper in the box. It's not necessarily the gift. They, they hop in the box. I mean, I know when I was a kid I hopped in the, the box and pretended like I was in an airplane, right? They're more interested in those things. But as an adult, if that's what you're interested in and focused on, people may go, Whoa, what's, what's going on there? Something something's not quite right. You're thinking as a child. Sometimes it's okay to think as a child, I enjoy that. But the point of this is um, There is a point in time where you think as a child and where these spiritual gifts are important. But down the road, he's telling us ahead of time, you're focusing on the wrong things. The focus is on love. The focus is on love, and he's revealing it to us now. And at that point, it becomes a kind of an aha moment for us. Another way Paul says this and brings this up is looking at verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When Paul says this, for now we see it in a mirror dimly, he's really resonating with the Corinthians. Why is that? Corinth was well known for metalworking, for making mirrors, for making, um, using bronze and other metals to make. Mirrors, and they were very good at it, very skilled. And so the word dimly here, what he's referring to here, is not necessarily a distortion, not being able to see clearly. It's actually referring to seeing indirectly. You are, as you look in a mirror, you see yourself, or you see someone standing next to you in the mirror, but you don't see the fullness, the the, the completion of that person, the reality of who they are. You just see, it's it's just a reflection. And that's kind of what we have with the word of God, right? He gives us a very clear picture of who he is, but that's just it. It's a picture, okay? What Paul is saying is, at some point, whether it's through death or through him coming again, which we're going to get to here in a minute, we will see fully. We will see him fully, face to face. Face to face, that is what is important. And he also mentions this, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When we look at today, especially in the middle of this pandemic that we're in, it's easy for us to look and go, what in the world is going on? You look out and you, and you think, why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. Why would this happen? And that can happen with anything. I'm just using the example of the pandemic because it's right among us. That's the mindset that Paul is using here when he says, now I know in part. We see things as they come, right? We can't, But we don't know the intent or the purpose or for why it came until the end, at some point when we will know fully. I want to turn back to um, John chapter 13 here. John chapter 13, starting with verse 3. This is where Jesus is starting to wash the feet of the disciples here. John chapter 13, verse 3, John records, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. At this point, Peter didn't understand what Jesus was doing. Or why Jesus was saying things like, I have, I'm going to die. He didn't quite understand that. Now if you read First and 2 Peter, you'll see that he did finally come to understand it. He came to the point of understanding. But the idea that Paul is referring to here in this, now I know in part, is the same idea that Peter was struggling with. That same partial knowledge of not fully knowing what's coming. It's the same mindset that Joseph gave his brothers back in, Genesis, towards the end of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20, after he had gone through horrible things, being sold by his brothers, well, thrown in the pit first, and then sold to Egypt, and then having horrible things happen to him in Egypt, and then finally, he was elevated to be the second in command. And as his brothers come back, Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It's, it's hard for us to look at events in our lives and understand why certain things happen. Also, like in, in the same way, while we know who God is through his word, it's not the same thing as seeing him face to face. And we don't have... The same, God doesn't have the problem that we have, right? God has the vantage point of eternity sitting outside of time. He knows all things and he's in control of all things. And he knows each one of us in the fullest sense. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What Paul is saying here in verse 12 is that once we are with him, we will know him fully. And we will also know, there's a, there is the chance that we will know why events happened and why, and when we see Jesus face to face. Now at that point, we probably won't even care about why certain things happened in our life because our focus will be on Jesus and we'll actually get to see him and be with him. We, won't, we probably won't care about some of the things that happened in our life. But there is the chance that those things will be revealed. As Paul is saying in here, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I just want to take a, a tiny bunny trail here. As I've been thinking about and processing um, what's going on today with COVID and the pandemic and things like that, maybe a, um, a mindset considering the bigger picture is an opportunity for us to Be a light for people today. It's an opportunity for believers because it feels hopeless. The world feels hopeless right now. And without Christ, they are. But we have an opportunity to share that hope. Light is the brightest when you're in darkness. Light is the brightest when you are in darkness. And I just think this pandemic is an opportunity to expose believers. You will be exposed. If you are going to follow the word, you will be exposed. People will know that you're a believer, and that is a good thing. That is wonderful because they see the hope that you have in Christ. They see the hope that you have in eternity. Because of his love, because of what he's given us. There's my bunny trail. I just think that if we, as we consider the bigger picture, that might be a thing we can consider as we're thinking of and processing what we're going through right now. But we will know later on why it all happened, or maybe we won't even care <laughs> when we see Jesus. Now I'm going to finish up this, cha- this uh, passage here with verse 13. And the point here is, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I mentioned that this was Uh, the the point of the message, the crux of what I wanted to bring about here today. We have to take it into context of everything that Paul is saying here. And the mindset that Paul has here is not looking to the present. He's not looking to now. He's looking to the future. He's looking to eternity, to an eternity with Christ. And so what he says here is, when he says the greatest of these is love, what he's getting at is faith and hope. These are the things that are tenets of the Christian faith that he just kind of seemingly randomly brings up here. Faith and hope. Those are going to go away. Because why? When we're in eternity, when we are with Christ, when we see him face to face, we will know him fully, we won't need faith. We won't need hope. Because those two things will be realized because of love. Because of his love. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But someday we will see, and we won't need that faith and hope. So it's not saying that faith and hope is not important. They are just as important as love in this present age, just like a child, and the child's behavior is perfect for that child at that moment. At some point, we won't need them, and we won't need to think like a child. We' will be thinking like an adult, we'll be with him in heaven, seeing fully, understanding the greatest is love. Now, this might give the impression that these gifts and these and these also these uh, attributes, faith and hope are only for the pr- uh, present, and love is basically for the future, right That's not what Paul is getting at here, okay Love never comes to an end. it always remains it is just as important now as it will be then when jesus comes again love the the mind, the, the, the way that paul is referring to it here as uh, the greatest of these is love and it, as it remains and as it never ends it's the same idea that moses or that god gave to moses when he gave him his name i am There's nothing past about that. There's nothing present about that. It is permanent. It is present. It is eternal. Love is the same way. It is eternal. And it is important now, and it will be what is in heaven for all of eternity. And so currently we rely on faith and hope to get us to that point. In heaven we will no longer need those because both will be completely fulfilled. Love is the one gift that we receive that gives us a taste of heaven, that gives us a taste of the eternal. Think about that. Love gives us the spiritual gift that the Corinthians were looking for. They were were thinking that they had it all. They were the most spiritual, but they had missed love. Love is eternal. And it's the one thing that we can share with others that will give them a taste of heaven as well. Think about that. That's pretty cool to be able to do that. Now, sharing God's love is like sharing a taste of heaven. Okay, so what does all of this have to do with Christmas? (laughs) What does this have to do with Advent and with Christ's coming? What Paul is referring to here. Well, first of all, I just want to go back and remind ourselves. What did we... We looked at, over the last three weeks, we have looked at um, Jesus' patience, right? His love is shown through his patience. We looked at his humility, and the, his humility by coming to this world and the way he came. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, his coming. We also celebrate Christmas because we're looking forward to his, resurre- or his, uh, his death, which we, we looked at last week, enduring the cross, his death. But we also enjoy Christmas And look forward to Christmas because of not just his death and not just his coming, but his resurrection. Christmas looks forward to Easter. And let me tell you what, there's a third holiday that's coming. There is a third holiday we're going to be celebrating in heaven. And I don't know what we're going to call it, but I refer to it as Christmas reimagined. Because he's going to come again. And that's what Paul is pointing us to here. Jesus is coming again, and we are going to have another holiday to celebrate at that point. Revelation 19. I want to read some verses here for you when Jesus comes again. Because love remains, love never ends. Jesus is not in the grave. He is alive, amen? He is alive, and he's coming again. Revelation 19, verse 11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. Talk about an entrance. A lot different than the first Christmas, his first Advent. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. That's us, believers. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. At that moment, nothing else will matter. Because he will have come again and perfection would have been realized. Will be realized. Completion. The fulfillment of the love story that we're given in the word of God. This is exciting for us as believers. This coming because of something, the way that Jesus referred to um, his coming when he, was, uh, when he was teaching the disciples throughout the Gospels. We see uh, in one of the uh, areas where Jesus describes what heaven is going to be like, he refers to a wedding feast, a wedding. Why would there be a wedding in heaven? Why would there be a wedding ceremony? Jesus refers to himself as a groom as a bridegroom. And he came at Christmas, he came to help us see who he is. He wanted us to know him so that we could love him. And we have a choice to choose to fall in love with Jesus. And he came to show himself but then he had to leave and in typical Jewish fashion with a With an engagement. A man is engaged to a woman. And then he leaves and goes and prepares the home where they're going to live. And the woman, at that point in time, does not know when he's going to return. When he's going to come. There's a separation there. It feels like a separation at that point. But then when it's time, the groom comes to claim his bride. He comes to start the wedding ceremony, and let me tell you, that is going to be a day when Jesus comes to claim his bride, the church. That is Christmas reimagined. He's, he's coming again. The entire passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is pointing To Jesus' return. Which will usher in the end of today. The current age. Which is really the beginning. The real beginning. It's coming. So what is this? What can we do now in this moment, in this time? Thinking about these things. Kind of an application for us. As we think about love. And that love is eternal, and it never ends. The focus of for everything that we do should be to love, agape, to love one another. Because from agape, from love, from that love, you can do all of the other things that God has called us to do. right? But you need to seek the one who is the source of that love. We need to seek Him and fall in love with Him because He's going to come get you. If you fall in love with Him, He will come and bring you home. Christmas, reimagine. And at that point, love will have come again. Love came down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the excitement that we look forward to You coming again. We look forward to celebrating Christmas now because we know of what's coming. We thank you for entering this world for us so that we could come to know you. We thank you for dying for us in place of us, for, the, for uh, covering the sin and, and bearing the wrath that we deserved. We also thank you for your resurrection in defeating death and your ascension and the fact that you're living today preparing a place for us, so that when you come, it will be ready, and Lord willing, we will be ready. Father, help us to be ready. We just thank you for this awesome truth. Father, I just lift up everyone who is not with us here today. It's been a long time since we've all been able to be together. We've had these split services and people at home. Father, I just I pray for continued endurance and strength. I pray that you would fill them with your love. And I know many on the front lines are expressing this love, this sacrificial love now for those who need it. And I just pray that you continue to give them the strength and the endurance and to help them to continue to seek you, the source of this love. We love you and we praise you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.